name is Austin Royal. I am the REF campus minister right down the road at Austin P. Uh, and yeah, it's good to be with you this morning to get to bring you God's word. Uh, we're going to be looking at Genesis chapter 1 and talking about relationship. Uh, relationship with God and relationship with others. And before I read the text, I'm only going to read part of it, but uh, I want you to think about this. In, in 2004, Facebook was introduced. Uh, it was only available to college students. I went to college in 2005. I couldn't get Facebook because I went to such a small school. It wasn't at my school yet. Uh, in 2010, Instagram was launched. Snapchat in 2011. And so... we. Over the last, like, 10, 15 years, uh, humans have learned to connect with people and relate with people in ways they never have ever in history. We've learned a new way to relate with people. And maybe you don't use technology that much, but it has impacted you in some way or another because all the people around you are using it. Um, And the thing is, even if you don't use social media, you probably have an iPhone, which means you can Google any question you ever have and you'll get the answer immediately. You don't have to go to your parents. Uh, You don't have to go to your friends. You don't have to go to a mentor. You don't have to see a person. And so you can get information. Uh, You text conversations with people. Like I talk to students, they have conversations. I'm like, did you actually talk to them? And it's like, no, it was a text conversation. that's not a conversation. Uh, you, you have to use words, uh, verbal, audio. Like, that's a conversation. Um, but then there's something else has happened. Be- because of social media, um, people have an outlet to speak into the world they've never had before. It, it used to be you needed a microphone like this and a crowd to say something to a group of people. Or you needed to go over to a friend's house where a group was hanging out to let your ideas be known, your opinions be known. And now, you can sit in a room by yourself, type something out and push send, and it goes out to all your friends. Maybe it goes out to all your enemies. And, and you, you don't have to look them in the eye. You don't have to see their responses, their initial responses. Uh, you don't have to hear their tone of voice. And so, some of the humanness of relating is totally lost. It's just thrown out the window. And so we just throw out words and we don't think about how they might impact other people. Um, And so we need a reality check of what does it mean to not just be in a relationship with people, but what does it mean to be human? Um, Because the reality is, is there are so many cultural wars going on right now Hate permeates uh, our world. Hate permeates America. I, I can't remember where I saw this, but I read somewhere it's like, for, for the last however many years, people would have said sexual sin is like the predominant sin in America. And right now, it's very obvious that it's hate. Uh, and so with, with that in mind, I'm going to read uh, part of Genesis 1. Yeah, Genesis 1 and 2. Uh, and then uh, Genesis 26 to 31. Uh, so 
hear the word of the Lord. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And then God creates so many different things. And then it gets to verse 26. It says this, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed and its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning on the sixth day. Let me, uh, let me pray for us real quick. Heavenly Father, thank you, uh, <clears throat> thank you for these words. Uh, words of who you are and how you've created. You've spoken things to existence, uh, and you called it good. And then you spoke man into existence, and you called it very good. And I pray, Lord, uh, as we sit here this morning, we would learn to love and value people in the same ways that you do. Lord, teach us, grow our hearts uh, to not just act as if relationships are sort of important, but to realize you have created us for those things. May we throw ourselves into them. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I, there's a, a movie called Into the Wild, and it, it's about a young man, Christopher McCandless, who, who graduated from Emory. He was a college student athlete. He was a very smart guy, very successful. And he graduated and decided he wasn't interested in the kind of middle, upper middle class status quo life. Uh, he was going to run away from it. Uh, he didn't want anything to do with it. And so he gives away all his possessions, gives all his money to charity, and he decides to hitchhike out west. And the movie or book, whichever one you want to, uh, whichever one you want to read or watch, uh, he, the story is about his adventure out west. And what you see is this guy who's kind of meeting random people along the way, but he's moving out west, uh, kayaking down the Colorado River through the Grand Canyon. Uh, he's trying to get out to Alaska, the Alaskan wilderness, to isolate himself, get away from all of humanity. Uh, and the conversations he has as he's explaining why he's doing this throughout the movie is things like this. Uh, he wants to find himself. Uh, he, he wants freedom. Uh, he wants independence. He, he wants to find the meaning of life. And so it's this 
awesome story where you see, like, man, he's doing so many fun adventures. Like, he's having so many fun adventures where you're watching the movie and you're thinking, man, I want that. Like, I wish I could go do that. That would be so much fun. He's out in God's creation by himself. Like, he eventually gets to Alaska, and there's mountains all around him. There's snow. He is sleeping in this old bus, so that's not very fun. But he's, he's running with horses. He's waking up to reindeer out in front of this bus. Like, just amazing life experiences. Um, eventually, he runs out of supplies and realizes he needs to get back to civilization. And, and he can't because a river that he crossed over while it was frozen has melted, and now it's this raging river. And so he realizes he can't get across the river, has to fend off the land, um, and eventually eats a poisonous bush where he knows he's going to die. And uh, as you've watched him live his life here, he's done all these things by himself in isolation, and it looks so fun. Like, reading whatever he wants, diarying whatever he wants, like just having all these life experiences. But at the end of his life, when he knows he's dying, all he can think about is being with another person. He just wants to be with somebody else. He's had thousands of awesome adventures, and all he can think about is, man, I wish one person was here with me. And he writes this in his diary at the end of his life. Happiness only real when shared. And that's not prophetic. It's not Jesus. Um, it's not the Bible. But we know it's true. Happiness, only real when shared. We know there's something about being in the presence of another human, something about being connected, something about being known that speaks so deeply into our soul where we feel connected. We can't escape it. So we think, man, uh, I want all these adventures. I would love to do those things. I would love to get out in God's creation. But you want to do it with someone. You want to be connected to people. And, and, and here's why. It's because God made you that way. He made you to be a relational being, to be connected to people. And that's what we see in our text. And before I really jump into the sermon, here's the thing, though. God says, Creation is good, it's good, it's good. And then he creates man, he says, this is very good. And then 15, chapter, or 15 verses later in Genesis 2, he says, wait a second. He looks at Adam, he looks at all the other animals, and he says, all the other animals have community. Adam doesn't. This isn't good. And so he creates Eve. And when he brings Eve to Adam, Adam's jaw drops in shock because he's looking at someone who looks like him in the mirror, and it blows him away. He's blown away by seeing this other person. Um, but then here's the thing. 15 verses after that, uh, Adam and Eve are hiding from each other. They're hiding from God. They're blaming each other. They're blaming God. They're running away from each other. And sin has entered into the world, and it just shatters uh, the relationship between God and man and the relationship between man and each other. And so the reality is, like, which one of these, is, uh, which one of these reflects your life the most? The part where it's like, oh, it's very good, the part where your jaw is dropped wide open, or the part where you're blaming and running and hiding? Like, we, we know which one is more real, and yet God has created us to cherish relationship. 
to love each other, to move toward each other. Um, with that in mind, there's three points. Uh, created for community, uh, made to reflect the image of another, and then finally relationship a means to an end. Uh, so you, you were created for community. It, it's not a throwaway. Like, relationships are part of your DNA. And we see that in the text in, in verse 26 where it says, um, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Who is God talking to? Let us make man in our image. It, it's plural. God is talking to someone. He's, he's talking to himself. And, and it goes back to the Trinitarian doctrine of Christianity, that God for all of time has been uh, one God in three persons. The same in power and substance are <clears throat> equal in power and substance, but different. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Same God, three persons. And he says, let us make man in our image. Uh, what we get from this is God, because he is one God but three persons, has been living in community with himself forever. He, he has lived in community forever, uh, which means he's a relational God. But it's not just that he's relational. He, he's loved and served and humbled himself and like been in this kind of beautiful oasis of relationship where he knows what he designed us for. So some people think God created because he was lonely. I'm sure someone's taught you that before. God created because he was lonely. Or uh, God created because he was bored. God, God is not lonely or bored ever. He, he is in the most magnificent relationship with himself you could ever imagine. That is what heaven will be like. You will be brought up into this vortex about relationship, and it will be awesome. <clears throat> um, but you are made in God's image. You and every single person around you were created to be in relationship. It's not just an add-on. Um, it's a fundamental, fundamental part of who you are because it's a fundamental part of who God is. So think about this. Uh, people go to prison, right, for doing bad things. Um, what do they do with the people who are really bad in prison? How do they punish them? When you've already been punished to extreme max, how do you actually punish someone? You put them in solitary confinement. And if you've heard any, like, you've heard stories about solitary confinement, like, it undoes people. They go crazy. I don't know why, other than you were made for relationship. People go crazy when they don't have friendship, when they don't have people around them. It's not even friendship, just the presence of another person. Um, and so it's, it's why loneliness hurts. It's, it's why loneliness is so powerful. When you feel lonely, part of your soul is being eaten at. Part of what you were, being, what, part of what you were made for, what you were made to live for, um, yet you don't feel like you're yourself. Uh, humanity, your humanity may be being stripped away from you. Um, and so it's like to long for a relationship, that's not a bad thing. To want to be married, that's not a bad thing. To want friendship, that's not a bad thing. You, you shouldn't feel shame uh, or disappoint. Or yeah, you shouldn't feel shame or guilty about wanting those things. Those are good things. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and jump to the second point. We, we aren't just uh, we were, we were created to 
reveal the image of God. Created for community, now created to reveal the image of God. If you look, God says, let us make man our own image. This, this is a unique title to humanity. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created him. This, I don't have a whole lot of time to say all this means, but it means, one, you were made for relationship. But it's also why you're creative and witty and articulate and funny and engaging. It, it's because you're made in God's image. Uh, we're living, breathing images of God himself. So if you think about, like, you're driving down the interstate and you see these billboards. Billboards point to something else. They're not the thing, but they point to something else. We were created to be walking, talking billboards of God himself, sharing God with the world, saying, I'm not God, but I'm pointing to God in the way we love people, in the way we serve people, in the way we move towards people. Uh, and guess what? Made in the image of God, it doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter what your skin color is. It doesn't matter what your sexual orientation is. You were made in the image of God. You have dignity. You have worth. We read it in Psalm 8 earlier. Listen to the words of the psalmist. When I look at your heavens, the work of your hands, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings. You've crowned him with glory and honor. You've given him dominion over the works of your hands. You've put the, all things under his feet. <clears throat> you were made a little lower than heavenly beings. You were crowned with glory and honor. You were given dominion. Like, you're not an angel. You're not a god or a goddess. Trust me, you're not. Uh, but God made you just a little lower than that. It's why he says, man, this is very good when he sees man he's created him. Um, what, what do we do with that? Because here, here's the tension in our hearts. This, this is why people are so confusing. Because on the one hand, you see these moments of brilliance, these moments of goodness just flowing out of people. And then two hours later, they're mad at you, they're being mean, they're being selfish. That, that's what's going on. You're seeing glimpses of the image of God, but it's just totally marred by sin. And one of the ways that I remember someone described this to me was like, you have this mirror, and it's, you know, reflecting an image, and then someone comes in and just chunks a rock at it, and it just hits right in the middle of the mirror, and it just shatters it. Where, if you think about it, a shattered mirror, it doesn't just all fall off. Like, it sends out these shears and, like, lines everywhere, and, like, parts of the mirror are missing. But it's just all cut up where you can't actually tell what the image is anymore. But you can kind of tell. You can, you can kind of see glimpses of it. Uh, that's what man is. We, we've been marred by sin, uh, our brokenness, our selfishness. We've fallen from this image, but it's still there. Um, it's why really bad people can do good things, because they're made in the image of God. Um, if this is true, like, how, does this, how does this change the way you think about yourself? Like, think about it. 
um, some, of, some of you hate your bodies. Like, you, you don't like your bodies, something about it. You don't like your voice. There's so many things that we don't like about ourselves. Um, you don't like maybe some of your hobbies because you think the people around you think you're weird because they're not cool or something. Um, God, God has gifted you. He's given you interests. He's made you exactly like he wanted to. Um, but we walk around with so many insecurities because we're worried about what everyone else is thinking. True beauty, true identity is found in the one who creates, is found in the one who says, this is good. This is beautiful. Um, but think about this. It also changes the way you think about other people because they're made in the image of God as well. People are no longer commodities for you to use. Uh, people are no longer uh, something you can just observe online and, and toss out that they don't matter. Uh, for, for the introverts in the room, uh, people are no longer someone you can just go up, like when you really f need that social time, just kind of go and get your fill real quick and then go back to yourself. We're, we're called to love people. And the same for the extroverts. People are no longer just people to entertain. You're, you're called to know them. You're called to move towards them and love them. You're called to ask them hard questions. Ask them good questions. How are you? How can I pray for you? We're made in the image of God, which means all of us have dignity, which means we're called to love all the people around us. We're called into community, called into relationship, uh, which leads to the third point. Relationships are a means to an end. Now, what do I mean by that? If you, if you look at the, the language of Genesis 1, what you see is, uh, and, and Psalm 8, it's, it's kingly language. Uh, have dominion, uh, glory and honor, crowned with glory and honor, have dominion, uh, th this kingly language. And again, we were created by the king of heaven, and we were made to reflect the image of the king of heaven. And so we're called to be kings and queens on this earth. Uh, but what that means is we're called to be stewards of the king. But we're, we're called to steward what the king has given us around us, which is why he's saying, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. We're called to steward creation. We're also called to be stewards of the relationships in our lives. And how do we so easily think about relationships? We, we usually think about friendship, dating, marriage, not as a means to an end, not as a means to love and serve God and bring him glory, but they're an end in themselves. Marriage is the thing we think is going to make us happy. Marriage is the thing we think is going to bring us security, peace. Uh, friendship is the thing that's going to make us not feel lonely. Uh, children are the thing that's going to make us feel joy. And if we just think about it that way, those relationships are something we're, we're trying to consume. We're saying, hey, it's going to do this for me, but what happens when it doesn't do that for you? You react you respond in a negative way because it's not doing what you thought it would. But here's the thing. It's not an end in itself. Every relationship you're in right now is a means to an end. It is a means to, it is a place to love and serve God. It is a place to bring him glory in how you parent your children. It is a place to bring him glory in how you show forgiveness and mercy to your spouse. It's a place 
where you bring God glory and how you show patience and kindness and compassion to your coworkers, to the people around you. Those are places where we serve God, where we reflect God. And it's places where we actually live in community. Because relationships are good in themselves. We just turn to twist them to, to fit our needs. And too often, when we have those, like when we think people can fulfill our needs, we are sadly mistaken. When we put expectations on people to fulfill our needs, um, but they're going to let us down. And that doesn't mean we don't serve people. Um, that doesn't mean that you don't ask for help. Because here's the thing. You are needy. Um, you're weak. By the very fact that you would call yourself a Christian, you, you are admitting that, right? Like, you can't be a Christian if you don't admit you're weak. You can't be a Christian if you don't admit before the Lord Jesus Christ, I can't do this. I cannot save myself. Um, and so the, the hardship of, of relationship, we long for it, we want to know it, we want to be known, but we have so much relational baggage. I mean, just think about it. Like, people go to counseling to talk about relationship. People are hurt, depressed, like all these different things because of of past relationship, present relationship. Um, it is the DNA of our souls and hearts. Like, we cannot escape relationship. Um, and there's a lot of hurt around it, which means, like we see in Genesis 3, even when there was very little hurt, humans run and hide. We run and hide. We run and hide from our spouse. We run and hide from our children. We run and hide from our friends. Or we put up this sweet facade and we act like we're okay uh, even when we're not. And so it's like some of us run and hide behind a computer screen. Some of us hide in broad daylight um, around people. Uh, not, not giving ourselves uh, to the people around us uh, in relationship, loving them, caring for them. Um, this is fascinating to me. I, I didn't know what to do with this. I actually thought I wasn't going to say this, but I am. Um, I was talking to a man earlier this week, known him for a while, early 60s, and I was telling him about the start of the semester. Uh, the beginning of college semester is just kind of crazy. You're, you're welcoming students. You're running around doing all these different events. It's not the regular routine. It's just kind of crazy. Freshmen moving in. You're trying to meet people, connect with people. That's been going on the last two weeks. We're also in the middle of a kitchen renovation. It's taking longer than it was supposed to. Um, that's stressful. We've also kind of had some, um, not really sick, but just coughing a lot. Just I think it's allergies. Anyways, all that to say, the last few weeks have been hard. And I was talking to this man who I've known for a little while, and he said, Austin, you know what? In the last two or three years, I've really realized something about life. I was, I was expecting something super prof profound, but he's like, I've realized life is hard. And when you're getting through something hard, right around the corner is something else that's hard. And I, like, I didn't know what to do with it. Like, I'm glad you're laughing. Because I, I mean no disrespect, because I'm just like, I'm, I'm 30, and I figured that out like 10 years ago. Like, <laughs> life is hard. 
And, and it's hard because we're needy. Like, we're needy, and we're weak. And not only are we needy, needy and weak, we were created to need other people. And what sin does is it makes us run away from other people. So we're just left needy and weak by ourselves. And it's really hard to live life that way. And the good news of the gospel is Jesus bridges gaps, giant gaps. The, the goodness of the gospel is Jesus begins to slowly put pieces of glass back together into the mirror so that you actually look more like Jesus and the people around you who are trusting in him, who are following him, begin to look more like him. And that's what, that is the beauty of this passage. It's the Holy Spirit doing that in you. God says, I will give my Holy Spirit to you. Cry out for mercy. Look to me in faith, and I will give you my Holy Spirit, and he will make you new. Look, look at the beginning of the passage. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the earth. The Spirit of God goes where chaos and darkness is. He shows up in those places, and he begins to create and make things new. He begins to redeem things. And that is the promise of the life and death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's not just that you get to be forgiven and go on your way. When Christ invites you into a relationship with himself, he invites you into a relationship with everyone else in the church. It's, it's not just you and Jesus. It can't be. It's, it's why Jesus gives the illustration of, uh, and Paul and others, like marriage is like Christ and his church. When you marry Christ, you marry his people, which means we need to love and serve and move towards the people around us because those are actually the places where your relationship with Jesus is worked out. It works itself out in relationship with other people. It's, it's easy to think, man, if, if I could go out and spend two years in the Alaskan wilderness and just read my Bible every day, I'd be a really good Christian. It's like, I don't think that's biblical. I really don't. Because we're called to love people, be in community with people. And the thing is, it's to do that, we have to be vertically healthy so that we can horizontally love people. We have to be following, trusting, believing, uh, seeking a relationship with Jesus. Um, and because, yeah, here's the thing. I, I'll, I'll close with this. Um, uh, um, we, we hate being weak. We hate being needy. <clears throat> so many of you have worked in the Army. If I went up to Fort Campbell and said, hey, it's, it's good to be weak, um, it's good to be needy, uh, we should be vulnerable today, I would be, I'd be laughed out of the room, um, which is fine. Um, but Jesus actually, like, he invites us to be needy and vulnerable and to lay things at his feet. But here's the thing, Jesus hopefully feels safe to you. Sometimes God doesn't feel safe. Um, but how do we actually know and trust Jesus and other people so that we can move towards them, so that they begin to feel more safe, so that we can actually take needs to them? Um, not to satisfy our needs through them, but for them to help us along. Because I think that's what 
we're called to, community with people. It's the beauty of relationship. Uh, Christ manifests himself, manifests his love and his grace through other people. Um, that's how he often does it. And so with that, like, I've been thinking about this. We, we're so good at being critical, and we're really bad at being encouraging. We're so good at seeing the flaws in other people, because we see them in ourselves, and we rather see them in other people, uh, and we're really bad at actually encouraging people and loving people where they are. And so I think this, one of these, just the application of this passage, one of them is look for good in other people, because it's there. If people are made in the image of God, whether they're Christian or not, there is good there. It's there. And so I was thinking about this, like when when you go to the uh, grocery store and you've got a list, you go in and you only get what's on the list, right? It's what you're looking for. You're not distracted. You go and you find it and you leave. Well, when I don't go with a list, usually what ends up happening is I buy three bags of chips that wasn't on the list. Um, I buy a couple of things of ice cream that wasn't on the list, and I forget the vegetables. I forget the things I actually came for. Um, hope you can uh, yeah, identify with that a little bit. But and so I think that, like, how do we prepare ourselves to see good in people? Like, how do we actually have eyes to see it? It's like we, we have to be prepared. Like, in the same way, a, a hunter who goes on a hunt, if he, if he just walks out into the field and just kind of sets up shop, and whatever's running by, deer or dove or duck or turkey, like, if he's not prepared to capture, to shoot whatever is there, it doesn't matter that he's out there hunting. Like, he's not going to be able to capture what he's actually looking for. And so we have to prepare ourselves to pack our bags, to actually see goodness in people. And I actually think that is the work of the Holy Spirit. As we are in relationship with Jesus, as we begin to see Jesus more clearly, we will begin to see Jesus in other people. We will want to look for it and find it. That's the hope of the gospel. God is making all things new. He is redeeming things. The Holy Spirit is redeeming people, hopefully people in this room. Look for good. You can find it because Jesus is alive and he's making all things new. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you uh, for your word. Uh, as always, words of life, words that speak truth, that hopefully pierce our soul with conviction and at the same time bring massive waves of hope. Hope that you are good. Hope that you are at work in the world. Um, and Lord, we, we pray that the beauty of relationship uh, would become more real in all of our lives, in every individual's life in this room, that we would want to be connected with people. Uh, we would want to serve people. We would want to love people because we were created to do that, to be in loving, serving relationships that bring you glory. And so, Lord, I pray that you would be glorified in how we think about people uh, and how we uh, seek to be in relationship with people. May we not see them as an end in themselves, but a way um, to be your children and to serve and love you. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.